How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. Tayyib, inshallah. So we are continuing with Arba'in al-Nawawi. And this is hadith number 27 uh, on the authority of An-Nawas ibn Sam'an radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The Prophet said, Al-birru husnu al-khuluq wal-ithmu ma haka fi sadrik wa karihta an yattali'a alayhi al-nas. Righteousness is good character. And evil or sin or wrongdoing is that which wavers in your soul and which you dislike for people to find out about. And what's interesting about this uh, particular hadith number 27 is actually there's two ahadith. So Imam al-Nawi for number 27 puts two in a row because they're very similar in nature. They're very similar narrations. The second one is a narration from Wasiba, uh, Wabi, uh, Wabisa ibn Ma'bad uh, He said that I came to the Prophet and when I got to him, the Prophet told me, Jitta tas'alu anil bir. You came you came to me to ask about righteousness. فَقُلْتُ نَعَمْ So he said in response, yes, you're right. فَقَالْ So the Prophet said, إِسْتَفْتِ قَلْبَكَ Consult with your heart. الْبِرُّ مَا مَطْمَأَنَّتْ إِلَيْهِ النَّفْسِ وَطْمَأَنَّ إِلَيْهِ الْقَلْبِ وَالْإِثْمُ مَا حَاكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ فِي النَّفْسِ وَتَرَدَّدَ فِي الصَّدْرِ وَإِنْ أَفْتَاكَ النَّاسُ وَأَفْتَوْكَ So then the Prophet continues and said, yeah, consult with your heart. Righteousness is that which the soul feels at ease with and the heart feels tranquil with. And wrongdoing or sin is that which wavers the soul and causes uneasiness in the chest, even if the people repeatedly give you their legal opinion saying it's okay. Even if the people tell you, don't worry, it's okay. They give their fatwa, they say, don't worry, it's fine. Even if it's good, if you think it's okay, if you don't feel comfortable with it, then it is sin. So let's break down these two ahadith, inshallah ta'ala, as they are very similar in nature, and they cover the same uh, or, or similar topics. The first statement is what? Al-birru husnul khuluq. That righteousness is good character. And so the meaning of this statement is really that the main or the essential aspect of righteousness is good character. The, the crux of the issue, the crux of uh, of, 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 of righteousness is to do what? Is to have good character. And good character can be divided into three parts. The first is good character with your creator. The second is good, uh, good character and good behavior towards the creation. And the third is uh, good uh, character or good behavior towards oneself. And so in terms of good character towards Allah, your creator, this implies what? This implies you are supposed to obey the commands and stay away from the prohibitions. This is good character towards your creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Towards the creation, this includes people, this includes animals, this includes uh, the planet in general, uh, vegetation and so forth. SubhanAllah, Allah ta'ala tells us what? He has created everything for you. And as we know, with great power comes great responsibility. So you don't look at that and say, oh wow, we as human beings, we have been given dominance over this planet, so let's take advantage of it, let's destroy it. Rather, you should feel a sense of obligation. The fact that I can go out and hunt means I should be kind and, and, and good to the animals around me. I shouldn't just take advantage of this fact. Or the fact that I can you know, destroy property or cut down trees and they're not gonna fight back against me. This should make me feel more responsible to take care of this planet. And then of course, uh, no doubt this applies to human beings and having good character with them. And then finally, good behavior towards oneself implies what? Eating right, exercising right, sleeping right, not overworking and overstressing yourself, etc., etc. You have to know that your body has rights over you, and so you have to have good character even towards yourself. So this is a way you could break down this concept of what? Al-bir husnul khuluq. Now you can also break it down in two categories as well. <clears throat> that character can also be seen as having two parts. 
that which comes naturally and that which you have to work on and develop. So what is the thing that comes naturally? The thing that comes naturally is, subhanAllah, sometimes you find some people, whether they're raised in a good family, whether they have good genetics, Allah knows best. But the fact of the matter is that when they are under stress, they're patient. When people talk to them, they are attentive. They listen, they're caring. Some people, this comes naturally. And what a blessing to have good character that comes naturally. I've known people that subhanAllah, it takes so much to get them angry. And they are so kind even when people are rude and aggressive. And it's not even that they're putting in much effort, it just comes naturally to them. What a blessing to have this. But then there's other people who, they have to work on good character a lot. Their natural instinct is to what? To get mad. Their natural instinct is to be rude and to be harsh. And this could be from nature or nurture, Allah knows best. So when it comes to this, this type of uh, character that you need to work on, there's three things that you need to keep in mind. Number one is you need to put in effort and constantly remind yourself. Catch yourself every time you feel your character slipping. Make sure you make constant reminders to improve your character, to uh, not say the wrong thing, to not make inappropriate jokes, to always catch yourself. So number one is your own personal effort. Number two is good, uh, good company. Always try your best to say, you know what, it's gonna help me if I stay around people that will have good character and that's gonna rub off on me. They're gonna remind me to be kind instead of harsh and so on and so forth. As the Prophet tells us what? That a man follows the religion of his friend or the way of life of his friend. So each of you should be aware of whom he befriends. And the third aspect, after personal effort and after being in the right environment, the third one is what? <clears throat> Dua. Make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you good character. And subhanAllah, we know there are many different ahadith in this regard. For example, in Musnad Imam Ahmed, also in Sahih Ibn Hibban, the Prophet mentions what? Allahumma kama ahsanta khalqi fahassin khuluqi. What a beautiful dua. We should repeat this dua over and over again. In fact, this is a dua you should make every time you look at yourself in the mirror. When you look at yourself, Allahumma kama ahsanta khalqi fahassin khuluqi. This is the dua that you're supposed to make when you see yourself. What does it mean? Oh Allah, as you have beautified my creation, beautify my character. What a beautiful dua to make over and over again. Number one, it gives you self-esteem. It's an appreciation of the way you look. You don't need tattoos, you don't need piercings, you don't need to gauge out your ears, you don't need anything to change to make yourself who you are. Why? Because Allah created you the way you are and you are satisfied with Allah's creation. So you're appreciating the way you look and you, it's giving you self-confidence and saying, Ya Allah, you have made me in a beautiful form. This is the, the way the believer walks around grateful to Allah with the way they look. This is amazing for your self-image psychology, subhanAllah. So you say, Allahumma kama ahsanta khalqi, which is the first part. Then the second part is what? Fahassin khuluqi. So beautify and make perfect and make complete and good. What? My character and my behavior. There's another hadith, another dua mentioned in Sahih Muslim. It's a longer dua. I'm just going to cut out one piece of it where the Prophet says what? Wahdini li ahsanil akhlaq. لَا يَهْدِي لِأَحْسَنِهَا إِلَّا أَنْتِ وَاصْرِفْ عَنِّي سَيِّئَهَا وَلَا يَصْرِفُ عَنِّي, uh, عني uh, سَيِّئَهَا إِلَّا أَنْتِ That guide me to the best of character, none can guide to it other than you. And deliver me from the worst of character, and none can deliver me from it other than you. So it's a recognition that, oh Allah, I'm begging you for good character, and I'm begging you to keep me away from bad character, and I recognize that you're the only one that can do this. You're the only one that can... Uh, beautify me and endow me with this beautiful character and the only you're the only one that can take away these bad habits from me of being rude or harsh etc and to help you remember to do this inshallah ta'ala there's a, i found a nice quote from uh fudail ibn al-iyad rahimullah i think he's, he's got lots of beautiful quotes and one quote of his which is so powerful he says what wallahi ma yahillu laka an tu'thiya kalban wala khinziran bi ghayri haqqin fa kayfa tu'thi musliman simple logic 
simple, uh, it's such a straightforward quote and so powerful. He says, I swear by Allah, it isn't allowed for you to harm a dog or a pig without just cause. So how then can you harm, harm a Muslim? I mean, think about it. If you would feel bad going outside and, I don't know, kicking a squirrel or something like this, right? Or just being rude to one of the beautiful uh, swans or, uh, you know, uh, one of the animals outside, right? You'd feel bad if you did something harmful or even if you just, anything bad to it, you'd feel bad about that. And that's, that's good. That's part of your fitrah that you want to be good towards animals. SubhanAllah, that's an animal though. At the end of the day, your Muslim brother and your sister has more of a status, more dignity and deserves more good quality. So how is it that you're avoiding bad when it comes to animals and then when it comes to your brother and sister, uh, SubhanAllah, you have this harsh uh, rhetoric and a bad personality. And furthermore, we should remember when it comes to uh, how we should react to bad behavior, oftentimes you feel like you were rude to me, so I'm going to be rude back. But we know that Allah Ta'ala says what? Uh, that Allah says, and not equal are the good deed and the bad deed. Repel evil by that which is good, that which is better. And thereupon, the one whom between you and him is enmity will become as though he was a devout friend. There's a beautiful ayah saying what? Respond to evil with good. Always try to outdo the other person, right? It's not impressive to be mean to those who are mean to you. There's nothing impressive about that. Even animals do that. If you kick a dog, the dog's going to try to bite you. So you should ask yourself, am I at the status of a dog? Or as a human being, do I have a higher status? And so what does that mean? I, I, I don't just react and act mean just because someone was mean to me. Even if that's my right. I, as a believer, I want for the sake of Allah Ta'ala to think through the situation and try to apply myself in the best way. This does not mean become a doormat so that people can walk all over you. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, think through the situation and try to respond in the best way possible. And you never know, maybe even the one who was a, was, a, was a complete enemy to you will become like a close friend. Why? Because you showed them a better way. And maybe they'd have never seen a better way. Maybe they've never seen anybody with good character. So when you shock them, subhanAllah, they may be truly impressed. Then the hadith goes on to say what? That and, and a sin is that which wavers in the soul. It, you feel uncomfortable. It's like it's in your in your in your sadr in your in your chest you feel like there's a discomfort anxiety stress you know a, a tightness of the chest whatever the case is and whatever you dislike that people find out about this is amazing the prophet gives two checks two checks to find out to to, to to see if you know what you're doing is wrong or not number one how does it make you feel about yourself number two how would it make others feel about you if they knew so there's an internal and an external uh, uh, check mark so you're wondering to yourself is this haram so there's a way to find out. Number one, how does it make you feel about yourself? And you're like, well, it makes me feel ashamed of myself. Okay, so I think, we, I think the verdict is in, right? Or you say, no, it doesn't make me feel, feel ashamed of myself. I feel fine about it. Oh, really? What if everybody was watching you do that? No, thank you. Ah, exactly. The fact alone that you are like, uh, no, I don't want people to find out is a clear indication that this is something that you are ashamed of and therefore there's no debating it. It is wrong. It is very clear and very straightforward. And what's so amazing is that we as human beings, we care so much about what other people think that one of the biggest sins and one of the diseases of the heart that is always warned about, that is so consistently warned about in our deen is what? Ar-riyah. Ar-riyah is showing off. Ar-riyah is to do good deeds, not for the sake of Allah, but for the sake of the people watching. So clearly, if this is a big problem and if this is a disease of the heart, and if this is something that people fall into regularly, and we have to be very careful of, then clearly people care a lot about what others think. And so it should be very easy to find out what am I ashamed if people find out about me. And the second hadith, So that the second hadith, which is you know, going along the same theme, that this man came 
to the Prophet and, he's, and, he, and the Prophet right away said, you came to ask me about al-birr. You came to ask me about righteousness. Now this is one of the many miracles of the Prophet demonstrating that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was revealing knowledge of the unseen to him. And subhanAllah, how many ahadith do you need? How many uh, authentic narrations? How many uh, you know, uh, of, the, of the Sahaba have witnessed this firsthand? <clears throat> and we have from uh, authentic, reliable, historical resources can confirm that over and over again the Prophet did things that simply nobody would just guess and get lucky again and again and again. And so this again, is subhanAllah, clear evidence that Prophet he said this in front of a group of people and immediately this, he must be a messenger. How else could he know the unseen? So subhanAllah, this is a miracle of the Prophet Then, فَقَالَ إِسْتَفْتِي قَلْبَكَ Now this statement, إِسْتَفْتِي قَلْبَكَ is a statement that is used and abused, unfortunately you have both sides of the equation. SubhanAllah, you have to be very careful with this statement because you, some people don't know anything about Islam, they don't know any hadith, they don't know any Qur'an, all they know is, Ya Habibi, istafti qalbak, yani khalas. You know, that's all they know, that's the only state statement they know, and they use it for whatever devices and any purposes they want. Which means what? Istafti comes from the word fatwa. Fatwa means what? A legal verdict, right? To give a ruling. When you put the istafa'ala form, which is the 10th pattern in Arabic, it means to seek something, right? So istafti means seek a fatwa, right? Just the same way khair means good, and istikhara is to seek out the good. You know when you pray salat al-istikhara, you're seeking out the khair. And same thing with, for example, ghafara means to forgive. Astaghfirullah means I'm seeking out God's forgiveness, right? Shura is, for example, um, uh, uh, you know, consultation. Uh, istishara is to go up to people and ask them for their consultation. So the istaf'ala form, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes indicates the seeking of whatever the verb is. So that's just a little Arabic 101. So the point is, is that you're saying istafti, as in seek the fatwa of qalbak, of your heart. Consult your heart and check with your heart to see if something is right or wrong. Now, what's important to note about this hadith is what? This advice is for the believer whose moral compass is intact. This advice is for the believer whose moral compass is intact and who has knowledge of Islam, who knows their deen. And this advice is not for the wicked person who has corrupted their fitrah. Some people, <clears throat> when they're born, they're young, they have natural shyness. They have natural uh, concept of right and wrong. But they choose evil over and over and over again until they dull their heart, until the sin has uh, covered their heart so much that the rust that Allah Ta'ala talks about in Surah Al-Mutafifin that the rust has covered their heart so much that their heart does not anymore get affected by the nur of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala the light doesn't penetra penetrate through because they have put this crust around their heart in other words they think good is bad and bad is good they've completely reversed they don't know up from down they don't know left from right they have completely destroyed their own fitrah right and so because of this such a person if you tell them istafti qalbak they're like well I think it's fine you know and this happens a lot. And Allah Ta'ala talks about people like this. Allah says in Surah Al-Fatir, ayah number 8, Then is the one who the evil of his deeds has been made attractive to him, so he considers it good. Is he like the one who is righteous? So clearly Allah Ta'ala is describing there are certain people who they can eventually get so comfortable with their evil that they start to see their evil as good and good as evil. They completely destroy their own fitrah, their compass is completely destroyed, and everything is backwards. And then Allah Ta'ala says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يُضِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ فَلَا تَذْهَبْ نَفْسُكَ عَلَيْهِمْ حَسَرَاتٍ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ بِمَا يَسْنَعُونَ Allah says, for indeed, Allah sends astray who He wills and guides who He wills, so do not let yourselves perish over regret for them. 
Don't kill yourself in regret for somebody whose moral compass is so bad that no matter how much you preach to them good, it never clicks. And uh, anybody who's given da'wah, you know this situation. Sometimes you tell somebody good arguments, logical points, for hours. You explain to them right from wrong, and it's so obvious, and it's so clear. Azhar min ash as they say, more obvious than the sun. And they still just say, no, I don't see it, no, I don't get it, no, 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 no. And you're just like, and Allah Ta'ala is saying, listen, these people have corrupted themselves, they see evil as good, good as evil, so don't worry about them, stop, stop killing yourself trying to guide these people. It, it just, or in grief or in worry about these people. Let it go. Focus on the believers, focus on those who want good, and as for the rest of them, ma'asalam. You know, that's fine. If that's what you want to be, that's what you want to be, let it go. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he says what? Destroyed is the one who doesn't have a heart that can recognize what is good and reject what is evil. Such a person is destroyed. SubhanAllah, because they've completely destroyed their moral compass. The point here is what? This hadith cannot be used to override the sharia. Put this in big, bold writing, underline it 10 times, put a bunch of stars around it. You can't use this istafti qalbak to override the sharia. You can't say, I know Allah says pray five times a day, but I check my heart and you know, I don't think it's good for me. You know, uh, I know that, uh, uh, you know, except whatever the case may be, that uh, you let's say alcohol is haram, but I check my heart and I, I think I'm a responsible drinker. It's okay. I check my heart about it. You know, istafti qalbak, it's okay. This doesn't make any sense. Allah Ta'ala says in many ayat, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَن يَكُونُ لَهُمُ الْخِيَارَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ It is not for the believing man or the believing woman when Allah and His Messenger have decided a matter that they should thereafter have any choice about it in this affair. When there's, when there's clear nas, when there's clear text, when something is obvious in Qur'an and Sunnah, this idea of, well, I check my heart, becomes irrelevant. Same thing with Allah saying what? But no, by your Lord, they will not truly believe until they make you, O Muhammad Sallallahu judge concerning over, uh, over uh, concerning that over which they dispute amongst themselves and then find within themselves no discomfort from what you have judged and submit to it with fully, full, fully willing submission. So, then the question comes in. So when will I consult my heart? If the text of the Quran and Sunnah, I can't make my judgments about, if it becomes therefore concrete and therefore I can't, you know, I, my, my judgment is of no relevance, then when does my judgment kick in? My own personal judgment. And the answer is, in circumstances where there's no clear textual evidence, you just have to make a judgment call. And this happens every day. Every single day of your life, you're going to come into moments where it's not 100% clear that there's an ayah describing exactly my circumstance. Or there's a hadith that's exactly describing my circumstance. So you just have to say, well, what is the best I can do based on my knowledge of Qur'an and Sunnah? What's the general theme? What's the general idea? Istafti qalbak. Check your heart and inshallah, do your absolute best. And then the hadith goes on to say, Al-birru matma'annat ilayhi nafs watma'anna ilayhi al-qalb wal-ithmu ma'ahaka fi'l-nafs wa-taraddada fi'l-sadr. Righteousness is that which the soul feels at ease and the heart feels tranquil and wrongdoing or evil or sin is that which wavers the soul and causes uneasiness, uneasiness in the chest. This is similar to the first hadith. And also we should remember the hadith. Allah says what? Yo, uh, excuse me, the ayah of Quran. Allah says, Right? So Allah says that on judgment day, your wealth and your children will not benefit you. The only thing that will, the only thing that will benefit you is having a sound heart. So do deeds 
that give you tranquility of the, of the heart. When you do the, something righteous, you know you feel good about it. And the only thing that's going to save you on Yom Qiyamah is what? If you show up on Yom Qiyamah and your heart is sound. So you know what makes your heart feel sound, and so stick to that. And what a blessing from Allah Ta'ala, that sometimes even when some evil thought comes to our hearts, Allah Ta'ala does not punish us for just thinking about evil. It only becomes a sin if you talk about it or if you act on it. But if you just think about it and then walk away from it, you get ajr for it, Allahu Akbar. And this is the final portion of the, of the hadith, inshallah we finish with this. The final portion says what? وَإِنْ أَفْتَاكَ وَإِنْ أَفْتَاكَ النَّاسُ وَأَفْتَوْكَ And even, do, as in, stay away from this, 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 uh, these, these uh, uh, even, if, even if the people are giving you fatawa, saying, don't worry, it's okay, it's okay, but you know it's wrong in your heart, stay away from it. So there's a few points that we should keep in mind. Number one, if you go around fatwa shopping, everybody knows the term fatwa shopping, it means you go to one scholar and ask for a verdict. He doesn't give you the verdict you like, so you say, okay, I'll go to the next. And you go to the next, and the next, and the next, until finally you get exactly what you wanted. Even if the scholar tells you what you wanted to hear, deep in your heart you know that your methodology was wrong. Deep in your heart you know what I was doing was wrong. Why? Because your process wasn't about getting the best evidence. Your process was about asking until you get what you want to hear. So it's going to be ugly in your heart, you know that's going to be the case. But it's very important to notice that وَإِنْ أَفْتَاكَ النَّاسُ The Prophet said, if the people are giving you fatwa saying, it's okay. The Prophet didn't say what? Ulama. This is very important. That people will tell you, oh don't worry, it's okay, I think it's halal, don't worry about it, it's not that bad. The people will say this. But a scholar, inshallah ta'ala, someone who actually has knowledge of the deen, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, won't make such a foolish statement, bi'idhnillah. Now I'm not saying that scholars can't be wrong. Of course a scholar can be wrong. But if a scholar tells you a fatwa, and you feel some sort of discomfort with it, instead of just saying, hey, the Prophet told me to reject it, maybe because this person's a scholar, not just a, just a awam and nas, it's not just a regular person, because this person's a scholar, maybe instead of just walking away and saying, you know what, I reject it because my heart doesn't feel right about it, maybe it's better to say, ya sheikh, ya alim, oh scholar, explain it to me. And who knows, maybe if you give them a chance, maybe they will explain it in such a way that it will feel right. So this is the difference between awam and nas, and this is the difference between the scholar. You want to give the scholar a chance, inshallah, a person of ilm should be able to actually uh, uh, explain their perspective. Now, it's also, this is the last point I'm going to be mentioning, inshallah. It's uh, very important to remember that the job of the mufti, the job of the mufti is not to tell you what necessarily the best action is. The job of the mufti is to just delineate right from wrong. And there's a very good example. So please pay attention to this example. Let's say somebody goes up to a mufti and says, I know a guy who is involved in shady business. His, the way he makes his money is very shady. And he wants to give me a very nice gift, an expensive gift. Am I allowed to accept it? What's the answer? Anybody know the answer? What's the mufti going to say? What's the technical response? Anybody know? No, no, no. Oh, you didn't catch the question? <laughs> the question is this. Guy goes up to a sheikh, says, Yeah, sheikh, uh, I have a friend or a family member or whatever, and they want to give me a big expensive gift. But the, the issue is that um, I don't like the way this guy makes money. It's kind of shady. I'm not sure about where his sources of money and income is from. Uh, it's, it's, it's really shady. My question to you is, can I accept the gift, yes or no? What does the mufti say? Yes, correct. The mufti will tell him, it's halal. It's halal to take the gift. Why? Why? Because think about it, logically, could you imagine if you had to check the sources of everybody's cash every time, every time someone's like, hey, I got you a gift. Okay, yeah, show me your bills, show me your bank statement. Where did you earn this money from? What's your, what's your job? It's, you can't do that, right? So at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is that the mufti, the mufti will tell him yes. 
But what if the guy checks his heart and says, I still don't feel comfortable about it. I don't like the way this guy makes his money. So the Mufti is not telling him what he should do. He's just telling him halal versus haram. But if you want to have extra taqwa, and if you want to take it a step further, and the guy says, I'm uncomfortable taking this money, and therefore I'm going to make a statement, and I'm going to tell this guy, I'm not taking your money. You know why? Because I don't like the job that you have, and I don't like the way you're making your money. And so even if it's a great gift, and even if I love the gift, I will not take it until you change your lifestyle. I'm going to make a statement like that. Maybe that's going to hit the guy. Then, alhamdulillah, check your heart and say, Mufti, thank you very much for telling me halal versus haram, but I'm, my taqwa is going to be higher. I'm going to take a higher route and say no thank you, even though I have the right to take it. Does everybody understand this? So this is an example of istafti qalbak coming, uh, kicking into gear, you could say. Even when the mufti says it's halal, the guy says, I'm still going to consider it uh, uh, not haram, but I'm going to consider it uh, not for me. I'm, I'm not going to take it. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, we close. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who, inshallah ta'ala, maintain and try to keep a good, clean fitrah, a qalbun salim, a clean heart that inshallah ta'ala, we have a good moral compass. May Allah ta'ala make us always make sure that whatever uh, conclusions we come to are in compatibility with Quran and Sunnah to the best of our ability. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. And may Allah ta'ala keep us away from evil sins that we know deep in our hearts we are ashamed of, that make us feel uncomfortable and that we would be ashamed if people found out about it. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Jamtala khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.